0: hello welcome to list off my name's nat
1: and my name's ozzy and this week we're doing top five daves
0: yeah as in the name dave, dave. or david or Daffid. or Daffid, i guess we could have some yep. Daffids. i hadn't thought of that we could have some lots of uh uh equivalents from different languages but i haven't really i okay. guess i could have i probably if i wanted to do a david, david i would have yeah if i wanted to do david ginella
1: yeah is he a david or is he a david david oui. david Where? Oui. Uh, <laughs> but mainly because i think dave is the best name i've i would i'd like a pet name dave i really didn't have a boy but if he had a boy i'd want to call it dave and not david or davey like when they're a little baby but but dave baby dave yeah
0: i'm not a big fan of name Dave. i like davey as a name davey in this and also if you're scottish and you're davey i think it's a great name
1: yeah right. i think
0: it's a great name if you're scottish i think that's got a great um ring to it got a nice musicality to it Dave, I think, is one of those names that I suspect is going to go out of fashion soon. Feels like you're not going to have babies called Dave here.
1: That's what I'm into. Babies called Dave. I just think it's great. Well, if I had a dog, it would be called Dave. You know I don't like dogs, but if I did, it would be called Dave. And I'd be going, Dave. Dave.
0: (laughs) Dave in uh, comedy terms is often one that feels like, you know, it's a thing often. It's like a shorthand that compares might use as a name like, What's your name? I bet it's Dave because there's always a chance of the age group of people that come to comedy clubs that if they're not called Dave, someone in the audience will, and it always gets like a ripple of laughter because of like the um, just the metrics of it. There's almost bound to be a Dave in the room, and there'll be a ripple of laughter, and there'll be someone like, Oh, he's called Dave, and it's it's a bit of an easy go to because you can get the you know, there's almost always someone called Dave, and it'll get a laugh. And it'll have a bit of audience interaction and it makes the compare look like he's created a bit of comedy rather than just said something that is pretty much always going to be the case. There's almost certainly always a Dave in the room.
1: I think that, that makes sense. Having looked today at the, uh, Wikipedia page, people whose name is Dave, um, <laughs> I would be surprised if it wasn't the most popular name for notable people ever in the history of the world.
0: Yeah, there's there's a huge number of Daves.
1: Daves, everywhere. It
0: didn't didn't stop me having trouble coming up the top five. Yeah. A smaller number or a larger number, very easy. A five was tough because the the threshold to getting into the five was tough, I think.
1: Got it. Um, The uh, David is of Hebrew origin, meaning beloved. Of course, the famous uh, king of Israel. And then... uh, in another olden Dave is, uh, sixth century Bishop, <laughs> St. David, as he became, who, uh, found his monastery and all that in, in, uh, in his native Pembrokeshire. Oh, I've been to that monastery. It's good. Yeah. Good place. Good spot. The old, the old St. David's and, uh, those are your olden Dave's and that, but I think probably we got the more modern Dave's. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: didn't really, I didn't, do you know what? Um, perhaps I'm wrong too. I didn't really mess around with the, um, the the olden daves okay. adjusted modern daves nowadays nowadays yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah the present dave as we call the them.
0: present daves some yeah. of them are not in the present
1: all right i, get uh, it. I or are they one of yours has got to be not in the present
0: one of them is not in the present i'm just two in fact well there's a lot it depends how you it depends on the how we view uh the living <laughs> all right, well cuz also i should point out because some of my daves are fictional daves got it. which is also allowed
1: got it yeah
0: so they're they're living in the minds of the people that in enjoy them the Dave- but not necessarily in daves of in wonder the real world yeah yep. <laughs> all
1: right so we're going to count down our top five daves our salad daves if you will and <laughs> you're going to kick us off
0: i am my number five is David St. Hubbings from This Is Spinal Tap? So he's Michael McKean in This Is Spinal Tap. He's a fictional Dave, but a fictional Dave that, who is almost real. Um, uh, this is Spinal Tap, very much like a classic comedy movie. And the movie puts pay to the idea that all improv is bad um, <laughs> by proving that sometimes if you get exceptionally talented people, improv can be really good and really funny. David St. Hubbins uh, was born in uh, Squatney in East London, which I find as a funny as a name. But part of me part of the thing I really like about Spinal Tap that a lot of people don't talk about is almost the same way that we were talking the other day about Alan Partridge how it's it's so real that he's almost such a real character that, although I find the name Squatney really funny, (laughs) I would almost prefer that it was trying to be completely legitimate, or even if they called it Stepney or whatever, they just made it a real place because the characters so well realized, despite the fact, and this is a thing that I think is slightly controversial, but to me, the London accents in This Is Spinal Tap are silly, and they're not really like London accents at all. And yet I totally buy it. I, it's like I'll, I'll, I forgive it totally yeah. to the point because they're so real in other ways that I kind of forgive how how poor some of the uh, the Americans doing English accents are. Well, um, I think Christopher Guest, he's in the House of Lords, isn't he now or something? He's uh, I think his, his dad's a lord of some sort. But yeah, Michael McKean is David St. Hubbins. He's a, he's a lead singer. Of uh, a Spinal Tap, he is probably not as quotable as some of the others are, but he is still the sort of the main. He, if he's not the the main character, he is the co lead. I would think. Yeah. In the movie, I think it's a great movie. I think he is a very great realized David, and that's my number five. I think.
1: Nice. I haven't watched that film in ages. I need to watch that again. Too good. It's
0: like it's like eighty minutes if that. Oh brilliant. As well. That's a great, great running time.
1: Brilliant. I'm gonna get on that. My number five is David Seaman, uh Arsenal and England goalkeeper of the nineties and early two thousands. Uh I'm an Arsenal fan. David Seaman was around for a very long time. Had four hundred and five appearances for Arsenal, seventy-five caps for England. He won three championships, four FA Cups, League Cup, European Cup Winners' Cup for Arsenal. Was England goalie at Euro ninety-six and um, the World Cup ninety-eight, two thousand. I mean, it, it, just a lovely Yorkshireman. It's from Rotherham, like one of those big big men big heart lovely voice loves fishing big arms big arms big hands big hair you know but i would say this is a man who used to have a ponytail surely you could appreciate that he was probably the preeminent ponytail (laughs) wearer of his era in this country like after status quo wouldn't have been the telly much more sure and before say i don't know who had a ponytail after that
0: well, now I'll tell you who's got a ponytail now. Who's that? I you couldn't even refer to it as a ponytail. Blew my mind the other day. Uh, Matthew Wright from The Wright Stuff has like it's obviously grown in lockdown, but he's got the same haircut he's always had with. I guess it's more of a rat tail in a little ponytail with a little kind of tied back. So he has a little tiny rat tail coming off his regular like mullet. What would be like a mullet haircut?
1: That's extraordinary. That's terrifying. Matthew Matthew right (laughs) well that's terrible yeah uh... I want to go back to David Seaman I went to his uh, testimonial uh when he when he uh when he hung up his gloves for Arsenal Mm -hmm. well actually that he played for some other clubs but you know after that but yeah when he left Arsenal we had testimonial and um there's just so much love for that man Like, there's a lot of well-loved arsenal players and then there's another well-loved arsenal dave which is uh, david rocastle who died tragically and was a was a fantastic player and fantastic man at the arsenal when i was a kid of
0: of what era of that uh, early 80s then early to mid 80s
1: no david rocastle was like uh late 80s to early 90s and um i think he left Arsenal in about 92 93 something like that someone will know but um it was a lovely player and uh yeah won us the league and you know it was just it was just great but but david Seaman is my top arsenal dave and just a warm and lovely man that even non-football fans i think like to see even fans of other clubs liked him when he was england keeper except for that one time when he did make a bit of a howler and-
0: i'm i'm I, don't, I was just gonna say that i'm not a big football person and when you said David Seaman, I had a moment where I realised the battle in my head to who it was, one of them was David Seaman and the other one was Alan Hansen. And and somehow they merge in my head. David Seaman has as a big moustache, or traditionally had a big moustache, yeah. he was a moustache wearer. And he's also from Rotherham, so he's of the on the Rither River Rother, like the Chuckle brothers. So maybe in Rotherham it's much more of a a big fashion moustaches. statement to have a moustache is, i think yeah.
1: they're born with a moustache they're all born with moustaches and most of the girls shave them off right and then some of the men when they move out of town that's, that's
0: um, yeah so he's he, he, he strikes me he's got he's quite a lush a, quite a lush moustache oh yeah. more more so than the uh the uh the chuckle brothers The chuckle brothers do yeah yeah i think he um, had a
1: very fuller uh, almost uh Almost a French-looking moustache, I would say.
0: Yes, yes, and like, yeah, and and certainly could only have been a goalkeeper. I think of him as having very long arms, kind of like the um, that photo you see of Bigfoot. Yeah. He's a, he's got that sort of uh, that sort of gait, yeah,
1: um, like Sasquatch-ish.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he's also someone that I think, like anyone who has facial hair when I'm a kid, I always imagine they're much older than they must actually be. Mm. So he's someone who always looked like he was there to pick up some of the other football players. Like he's like, he's their dad who plays in goal.
1: Well, goalkeepers do play on longer than outfield players generally because they don't have to do the yeah, running Yeah, I guess around. they don't See, have to do running so around. Like England's longest serving goalkeeper, Peter Shilton, was playing at mm. least a 40, you know, football. Yeah. So, yeah, that they, they, they do stay around a long time. And One thing I didn't know about David Seaman that I found out today because I don't follow the the celebrities. You know I mm-hmm. football but i don't follow the celebrities but he he went on dancing on ice and i think oh, he yeah. did quite well and he then married his uh partner on dancing on ice frankie portney oh good name still married and she's like a small dancer and he's like a massive bigfoot style yorkshireman so if they make a funny couple but
0: i'm sure that's quite reassuring probably quite nice yeah if you're uh if you're her Yep. Yeah. um safe so hands yeah um uh, goalkeepers are funny ones because when i was at school goalkeepers kind of meant that you're a bit rubbish Like i would often be in goal because uh, everyone wants to just kick it in the goal yeah and you can't do that so it's always goalkeeper or defender um are goalkeepers in generally people who are seen as being a bit rubbish at football but then develop a skill or are they trained as goalkeepers from the beginning
1: well they've trained from goalkeepers relatively early if they're going to be really good i think nowadays goalkeepers have got a lot of Skills on the ball, they can really kick the ball and pass, and you know, even you know, fiddle about doing tricky stuff when people try and get the ball off them. But traditionally, they'd be big guys who were a bit mad and didn't mind jumping into the way of an on-rushing man with big boots on. You know, you have to have a bit of a death wish to be a goalkeeper.
0: In school, do you reckon they still uh, play bad players in goal or defender? That's your worst place, in it, defender? Like, yeah,
1: wing back would be where you play the really bad players in school. Um but I know I, I think you still would get put in goal if you didn't want to play out. I just people who don't want to do running around. Oh, I'll just put sure. in goal, I'll just I'll just stand over here. Yeah. And spit on my gloves. <laughs> don't know. Do that. That's I my that's number five, David Seaman.
0: Ah! My number four is another fictional Dave. It is David Callan from the series Callan. As played by Edward Woodward, as drawn by Herc, uh, possible future guest on this show. Yeah, definitely. Um, who drew me, uh, or painted me, a, a Callan painting for my birthday recently. Uh, David Callan is—he's um, kind of an ex-army man who only really wanted to be in the army because he's obsessed with um, war games, little toy uh, soldiers and joins the army. And at some point, prior to the beginning of the series, Callan, he is being he's sort of too good. He's, he's very good at anything and he's the best. And so is brought into the Secret Service to essentially be an assassin for the Secret Service. But he can't do it because he uh, he has lots of kind of mental breakdowns and can't kill people. He hates it. So the Secret Service is it's, it's a it plays the secret service that was very kind of sadistic so later on they then recruit him um i think it's meant to be about five or ten years later as an assassin again with the idea that he'll have to be an assassin for the secret service or that he himself will be put in a red file that means that he will be killed by other members of the secret service at some point in his life that's rough so he has to become an assassin for the secret service even though Um, he can't do it because he can't handle the idea of killing people. And yet that becomes his job. So it's a series about a man who is forced to to become an assassin, even though he doesn't want to. And over the course of the four years, his mental health kind of deteriorates as he's put in sort of more and more uh, kind of precarious situations as a member of the Secret Service and, and the other nice thing about it, because it's a British TV show from the past, a lot of it's based on class as well. So the other people that work alongside him are people that went to good schools and universities who think that he shouldn't be there. And even though he's got this terrible thing, doesn't want to be in the job, they resent him for it because they feel that even though he's the best, that they sh- he shouldn't be mm. because he went to all the wrong schools. Yeah and uh so that's mainly kind of personified by a character called toby mears who's like a sort of eton educated uh oxford graduate who believes that he is actually the best assassin in uh the secret service and resents callan and he's always trying to get callan killed um but the thing is that callan is just better than him mm. so can never get the upper hand um and all callan wants to do is play with his um his soldiers, and he just wants to kind of live in his sort of small flat on his army pension. But um, he's constantly drawn back into this, this world, and um, so it's all like it's all class. It's all about to be very suspicious of the secret services, and to sort of very paint them in a very sort of sadistic, uh, negative way. And essentially, he's putting this thing, and he's an assassin who. You're supposed to have sympathy for and he he almost needs to generate this a reason why someone has to be killed mm. so he often does a thing where he has to try and investigate and try and uh, prove to himself that these people are bad in some way which he rarely does and is sort of forcing the situation where he's trying to work out well this guy's a this guy's a Nazi, or this guy's a so he's got constantly having to do his own research to try and justify in his own head why someone deserves to be killed by the Secret Service. And it's all about the politics involved and how so much of people who are assassinated are assassinated for completely dubious reasons that have nothing to do with right or wrong. And that's the sort of premise of it. But it's a great show where it just it feels kind of modern, like a sort of way you might do a sort of modern show in HBO or something where it's every series kind of changes. By the end of the series, the status quo changes. Mm. So it just turns. And then at the end of one series, when you kind of get used to what the show's about, it turns and becomes about something else and about something else and about something else. Um, and it's a really great series, I think.
1: I've never watched it. I've never watched it. I mean, I know you're a big fan. I know a bunch of friends of ours are big. Well, I only watched
0: it. I I only watched it uh, for the first time a couple of years ago. I'd never Uh seen it, and uh, but what's really telling about it, I watched it a couple of years ago, and I've watched it twice all the way through. So that's my uh, thing of it. Well,
1: impressive.
0: uh, I'll have David Callan as my number four.
1: My number four is David Lynch film director writer producer artist coffee maker mm-hmm. musician everything love david lynch huge um like i watched twin peaks when i was too young to watch twin peaks because it was on the it was on on the evening when my aunt would come around and um and babysit as my mom would be out and my dad would be out at work and um she would come around i think it was a tuesday i don't know if that's right i think and, it was a tuesday yeah and it'd be on and she wanted to come and babysit but she also wanted to watch twin peaks so she kind of had to let us maybe not my sister she really was quite young but i don't think she'd be interested but i would watch twin peaks and it scared the hell out of me you know but i loved how weird it was i loved how weird it was and you know as i got older i watched it properly and everything and watched the film uh, Fire i walk with me which i know is pan but i love it like absolutely mm. love
0: it. I think people accept it now as being great. I think,
1: Good. I think history has proved you right. Good. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's, uh, yeah, I love it. But you know, and then I've caught some, you know, caught his other films when they were on TV, and um, always loved it. I've always loved the. I mean, I'm not a horror film fan, right? So a lot of people mm. come at it. And they're like, I like it. It's got horrory stuff in it. It's like, I'm just uh, that's not. It. I like. I like the psychological stuff. I like the sur- surrealism. Surreal stuff can be just as scary as, yeah, you know, violent stuff. Or
0: yeah, I would say he's never really made a horror film. No, and no, yet his films are terrifying,
1: horrifying. Like I think, yeah. I was looking at it, it's fifteen years since he had a film at the cinema. Fifteen years, yeah. you know. And that film, *Inland Empire*, not his best film, but the experience of going to watch it in the cinema and they yeah. cranked that, they cranked the sound on that. I don't mm. know if I saw it with you, I'm not sure I did, but
0: I wonder if the, I saw it at Haymarket. I wondered if I saw it with you. Yeah, maybe that sounds right.
1: It was definitely a big screen, and it was the sound was just oppressive. And
0: ah, the feeling in that film, which has it keeps occasionally cutting to I think it's a, a balloon, <laughs> and it's I've never been more terrified looking at a picture of a That's white it. balloon in my life. The tension
1: and the <laughs> dread, I mean, that goes through all of his films, the dread goes through all of his films and all of his work that kind of f- foreboding and then there's absolute beauty and tons of comedy and you know, he's definitely like of, of American film directors that are alive for me it's him and Terrence Malick those those are my boys you know like hmm. I, absolutely I can't believe he hasn't made a film in 15 years like
0: yeah and they both managed to be kind of you know artists in a way that some people be hard to justify but there's it's it's just absolutely what he does then you've on got screen. to have that it's like
1: you a million people making films it's just films and they're working and they're getting paid and they're doing a film every year or two brilliant we've got loads of them you need to have people like that who are just well I haven't made, he hasn't made a film 15 years because the right thing hasn't come through and he hasn't got funding for it and whatever you know like that i'm sure you know when he made mulholland drive it was like hey he's back making big movies with like film yeah. stars and stuff you know it really felt like that. And then I think he made it in an Emperor and it was like, Yeah, no cancel that guy again. You know, like the guy's too Well, big. I guess
0: that wait, the big project was Twin Peaks, wasn't it? The Twin Peaks the Return. Yeah. Which was the um the sort of big sort of uh was it ten part or twelve part um sequel that everyone was worried about. That I haven't watched. And then while it was on, you were still kind of worried and going, What's this? What's this? And then he still feels like it feels like he's completely moved forward and moved away from the stuff he was doing on Twin Peaks. And yet, he's doing something completely different and yet it's still definitely Twin Peaks.
1: Yeah, I And mean, yet, it feels I, like I he's need, come along. I need to watch it. I've been saving myself. I've been saving it, I don't know, for the right moment to watch it. Hmm.
0: I remember our pal Hayley Campbell had a thing where she started watching it and was going, oh, I hate it, it's rubbish, it's rubbish. And I was going, oh, do you know what? Every time I go to watch it, I'm never looking forward to it. And then at the end of it, I'm always sort of like blown away by it. And then they were the early episodes. And by the end, it was just like, I can't wait to see it. And then she did, an, uh, she did a 180 and was going, oh, I love it. It's amazing. And that's like, yeah, he's done it. He's absolutely smashed it.
1: Yeah. Um, I really love him as a man as well. Just like to to to, to, to hear him talk and stuff and just... Praising things in the world and saying things he loves and yeah, I think he's top. He's top Dave. I wouldn't call him Dave though, would you?
0: No. I'd unless call- he said unless he corrected me.
1: I'd call David Seaman Dave, but I wouldn't call David Lynch Dave. Okay.
0: That way. My number three is maybe an obscure Dave to the mainstream, but some people know why he's on the list. And that is. David Mazzuchelli, the comic book artist and cartoonist. Yes, um, because he has not done a great deal of comics work. And I guess probably if whenever he passes away, his obituary will be that he sort of teaches art in one of the big universities now. But he was a comic book artist who kind of came to fame doing doing kind of fill-ins on things like Daredevil and then did it's regular
1: Marvel Comics
0: regular Marvel Comics um, just penciling, not and was kind of good but not exceptional and then he ended up teaming up with Frank Miller and produced a Daredevil book called Daredevil born again which is a, and then the artwork was really going places and then followed that up with a book called Batman year one which is probably the most popular one and it's um, and then after that, kind of moved away, did a couple of other one offs, and then moved away from kind of mainstream comics and started working on his own independent comics, often doing bits in anthologies. He did a series called Rubber Blankets, which he wrote, Andrew, which was a bit of a kind of minor classic. And then he went away, he was teaching a lot of time. Now, in that time, he was working on another book called Asterious Polyp. Oh, he also did the uh, comic adaptation of Paul Auster's City of Glass. Um And partly it's I think the reason I like him, apart from his artwork, which is terrific, it's that I was looking at comics recently and I don't buy a lot of modern comics. And I realized that the ones I do buy are by people who are completely influenced by David Mazzuchelli and his influence and his impact on that world, having not produced that many pages compared to people that have had a career in comics is vast. And the influence he's had on the people I think of as my favorite cartoonists is like without him, I just can't imagine who I'd like or what I would like in comics. He's he's a real kind of uh, in the 80s. I think he's just completely redefined a style or created a style um kind of influenced i guess like by people like alex Toth, but and for sure but even though that's definitely where it comes from the people who i like now it feels like they are versions of david mazuchelli
1: yeah i mean i'm annoyed that i didn't think of him with my list um he like for 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 this like you say small body of work and stuff It's no, it's no exaggeration for me to say Batman Year One, which is what four issues, Mm, four four issues, four thin issues of Batman. You get them collected together into a book. I think there's quite a nice edition out there now, isn't there? Yeah, Batman Year One, for me, is the definitive Batman book. Like that, if you're going to read one Batman book in your life and be like, "What's all this Batman stuff about?" It's about those four issues. Like Batman Year One, is astonishing and and and. It, it's just it's just exactly for me that's just the essence of batman and mm. gotham city and, and and it's one and uh the inspector you know uh oh, gordon, commissioner, gordon. commissioner gordon that's the definitive commissioner gordon and we were saying the other day how like when they cast the batman film
0: what i was saying about in was that the thing about uh in the christopher nolan ones when they cast um gary oldman before you go, oh, perfect! He looks exactly like Commissioner Gordon looks like. And then when I watched it, to me, it always felt a bit like, I oh, know, but he's not being like Commissioner Gordon is in Batman Year One, so it's a bit wrong. He's
1: not being like it, but I swear they cut ca- the look of him and how they cast. Oh it was yeah, to just like that looks like David drawing of Commissioner Gordon.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the with a sort of moustache hanging over the lip and everything, just yeah. absolutely. The character okay is
1: just not the same, but the 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 look is. It's exactly the same.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Where they've where they've got it from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very much a definitive Batman book, and we've both worked in comic shops. And when you have people go recommend me a Batman book, it's always going to be Batman Year One. Yeah. And if you don't like it, it just means oh, that just means you like bad Batman comics. <laughs> That's right. sort of how it works. It's like oh yeah, you won't like any of this stuff. Then you buy anything. Then get anything. <laughs> like it's it's um it's it's good it's good comics, and I really like that journey of working in Marvel and DC and then just going, Oh, all right, I've done it kind of leaving at the top and then doing your own work, I think is a really kind of creditable. And, uh, and also I think it's, it, again, it sort of hits the point where you've kind of can't do any more with it and you sort of end up teaching and to sort of fund you doing your own personal comics, which aren't going to make tons of money, I think is a real, like, uh, uh, great thing to do and also to leave at the top when you have uh well I say leaving at the top it's funny whereas I'm sure he gets lots of residuals off of Batman Year One because it's a very popular book. But it is funny. One of the things that's often funny is that you can look up uh the letters that Batman Year One got from the regular Batman uh, readers who all are going, oh, I hate I hate this artwork. Why can't we get uh whoever was on it back? Uh <laughs> this is terrible. This guy can't draw and that kind of crazy comic book people
1: are yeah i mean just to say david mazichelli i'm not i don't buy comics these days or whatever you know so my my collection's kind of legacy you know and i get rid of bits and i get rid of lots of stuff have there's no way i'd get rid of anything david mazichelli from from daredevil born again onwards just gotta have it all it's just it's just essential visual work another level good dave good dave my number three is a man called david sheets david sheets and uh he's better known as but still not very well known as mr dj and he is essentially the dj for outcast very well known you know hip-hop duo absolutely world famous household name at least 20 years ago and uh he was just their dj Literally going on tour with them, playing the records in the background for them to, to rap over, that kind of thing. But as they got away, the the, the early Outcast records are produced by uh, Organized Noise, three man production team from from Atlanta. And as Outcast grew into themselves after their second album, they started doing their own production and and Mr. DJ produced two tracks on their th- on their third album Aquemini, produced the art of storytelling parts one and two which are just incredible now this is the first two songs this guy's ever put out produced and they're incredible incredible beats and they're part of what made it made existing outcast fans be like what's going on this is amazing he produced other outcast songs knowing and flip flop rock on their on their big double album you know with with both separate parts and he produced great songs for the goody mob black eye still standing soul sunday and he produced K- killer mike's my chrome killer mike who's now in run the jewels and he produced most of the stanconia album the, the big album before the the crazy big album um as part of earth tone three which was the three of them being a kind of production crew short-lived they did like random remixes for like nsync and gwen stefani and then kind of disbanded and he hasn't done a lot since then i'm sure he's very busy but he's never kind of got considering he had his hands in all these absolutely colossal records that really went around the whole world yeah hasn't become famous and he hasn't managed to sort of bring his own artists through or anything like that particularly i'm sure he's very busy doing great stuff i think he's a, a a nice man from when i've had any dealings with him and stuff but he's the the, these few songs, just a handful of songs that he's that he made in the late '90s, you know, to early early 2000s, are, are some of my favorite songs ever in the world. Uh, incredible music, and and he's like this seldom spoken of factor in these in these outcasts and Goody Mob records and stuff. So yeah, Mr. DJ David Sheets, just a huge, huge Dave for me, massive Dave that nobody really knows about.
0: I think that's great to put a spotlight on some of these daves. Yeah, I really like the sound of that.
1: He's a he's a he's a he's a, he's a rare Dave, but he's he's this is top Dave. It's got to be in there.
0: An absolutely essential Dave for
1: me. An essential Dave and a and a, and a yeah, Dave Dave of yore because I don't think he's around now doing stuff.
0: My number two is David Lynch. Already come up. I thought we'd have him um very much of the same thing i mean i'm a couple of years older than you but i sort of felt like twin peaks was possibly pushing it in terms of what i should be watching at that yeah. time but i think also i think back on it of what an influence that show has had on me and just the way i kind of think about things and i guess seeing something that's kind of a bit odd and unusual at an early age really kind of does something to you and makes you like look for things that are a bit different and makes you appreciate things outside of the mainstream things. And the fact you notice it as different and still good and funny and things, I think, has probably had like quite a profound effect on everything that I've seen since. And also, like, it felt like he was such a celebrity in coming up as a and actually being in the show as well as this sort of funny character is uh, it was, you know, that you kind of know who he is and you have this little um, sort of appreciation of him around the same time, I think of a year or two before Twin Peaks, I'd seen The Elephant Man, and that's another film that had a massive effect on me, and yet I had no idea it was David Lynch till like a couple of years after that, when the two things came together. And for him to do this thing, which seems very kind of Victorian, uh, very British kind of story, mm. in and you and it's then when you watch it again, you can kind of there's bits of it where you can say, "Of course it's him. Of mm. course it's him that's done it." And just someone who creates images that really kind of fuse into the mind and just still still frames of like you know, it's TV, but it's almost like what you talk about a cinema where you've got these little images that are just kind of infused on your brain mm. from especially I kind of think Twin Peaks and um, and the Elephant Man and it was like things like uh, Blue Velvet. I came to follow in Twin Peaks as mm. a kind of like, oh, this is a bit like Twin Peaks, but more mm. than this is. But I think specifically Twin Peaks and the Elephant Man are two big kind of staples in my in my brain the elephant man is still one of my like all-time favorite movies and i think it's incredible and i think it almost takes a, um, a kind of outsider looking at sort of britain to kind of give you a better idea of what it's like in a way it sort of shows you a bit more than you'd get otherwise mm and also the, the kind of actors he uses like someone like freddie jones is one of my like favorite character actors and you know he wasn't even used he was kind of very much like a, a supporting player character actor and the fact like david lynch uses him as bites in that film and also then uses him in like a bunch of other films after that um and he's really underappreciated in this country and he only died a couple of years ago Is the dad of Toby Jones, and he ended up on Emmerdale, you know, like he was, he's in Fellini films, mm. and he's in David Lynch films. And then he spends the last couple of years of his career as like a, a farmer, presumably, or something on Emmerdale. And you think oh man, like, he's completely underappreciated in his own country. Mm. And it does take someone like David Lynch to kind of spot him and really highlight him. And you sort of see him in a bunch of stuff. He's in a bunch of like Hammer movies and things. Mm. But he's just never really made it outside of that. And it, told, it sort of took Lynch, I think, to kind of really showcase him a lot. But everything from the fact that years after Twin Peaks, I didn't realize when I would say um, I'd say things that are from Twin Peaks, mm. as sayings yeah. that I think are old sayings. And then you go, oh, no, they obviously just come from Twin Peaks. Yeah. And um, all that, I think it had such a kind of profound effect on me. And it gives me And a lot of people like a real, yeah, I think a better sort of sense of difference and how there's sort of different things to appreciate as well. Yeah, I I, I think it's a good, a good starter pack.
1: Yeah, I really that watching that and watching Apocalypse Now, probably a couple of years later, but similarly on TV, opened up a real kind of dark and weird side for me as a a kid. you know and once you've done that you i don't know like you get into that stuff and you can't quite you can't get into what was that what was that film universal commando universal
0: soldier universal
1: soldier was it with like <laughs>
0: yeah with was dolf langer and yeah. uh Van So i
1: remember watching i remember watching apocalypse now i think for the second time on tv because i just watched it whenever it came on tv right and then the next day being like a sleepover with friends some some boys and they rented that and we watched that and i just remember being like i can't watch this crap like i watched this (laughs) i watched this quality film that twisted my melon like (laughs) yesterday and now i've got to watch this rubbish i I just remember i remember really feeling like that like and i remember saying like oh you guys should watch this and they were like that's old you know Mm. that's old
0: looks and i guess the other thing about like when when you're I mean, all films are like anything that I think, like, it's still a lesson that I'm constantly learning. But with so many good quality movies, especially, there's that idea that you that, uh, well, watch it. I'll, I'll watch it. But you know, I'm doing it. Uh, it feels almost like eating veg or something. I'm doing it. Cause apparently, it's a quality movie. Whenever you watch that stuff, you always go, oh, it's brilliant. Isn't it?" it's not like it's boring or something. It's always something where you go. Oh, this is why it's a uh, a classic. This is why people talk about it, because it's great.
1: Yeah.
0: And it happens so often. And I think uh, with David Inch, especially in something like Twin Peaks, which was made for network TV, it just means it's also like it's a really accessible version of something which is like different. Yeah, but it's done in a way that's funny. And, and it, it's it's sort of doing it under the radar, and you're getting it. Um, you're getting it fed to you in a really Uh, sort of bite-sized way which if you're watching it and you're just watching a tv show you can watch it and it just be a tv show that's a bit weird yeah and you can kind of go oh it's like a murder mystery i guess or something i guess i guess i could watch this this isn't strange or something and it's almost the more it goes in and the stranger it gets you're already in by then because you think you're watching a Oh, it's like a new murder show on TV or whatever. I'll watch it and then then you're sucked in and you're six episodes in and you're totally involved in all the characters and, you know, halfway through the second series, you find out who did who did the murder and you realize, oh, wait, this isn't what this is about.
1: Yeah, It's, (laughs) it's magic stuff magic stuff and i I, like i have like you know relatives that watched it that would never have watched david lynch films they wouldn't have bothered going and seeing them at the renoir or something do you know what i mean they wouldn't it's Mm. not they didn't go and see they were that time in their life they were middle-aged people that weren't going to see you know kind of artsy, you know films and yet they'd be yeah they'd be watching twin peaks and yeah i love that love that you're right it's kind of snuck in
0: i saw david lynch once at the uh, nft BFI south bank now and he was uh doing it was one of these things where he's, he's promoting transcendental meditation while lots of people were trying to show clips of his films and he was really accommodating you know he's really accommodating for what it was and um and he was just in like a quick question and answer and it was one of the things where it's so entertaining like People just—it's that thing where Q and A's at those things are painful, always painful, because people ask terrible questions. Yeah. But it's like if you've got someone like him, he's able to answer all those questions in a way you just come away from it going brilliant, fantastic, and it's like—and at the time, I think it was you know before Twin Peaks came back—and someone saying, someone put a hand up and said, "Ah, oh, yeah, uh, Twin Peaks—we uh, are always expecting like a sequel." I was thinking that it's probably hard to do a sequel nowadays. I thought a good format for it would be a computer game. Would you consider doing a computer game, David? And he's like going, yeah, I would. I was going to do a a computer game called Woodcutters of the Midwest (laughs) about cutting down trees. And it's like, next question. It's just like, everything's just kind of like, it's never like, no, of course not. What are you talking? It's always like, yeah and it's that kind of brilliant there was a thing where i mean someone asked him about his hair and he was talking about oh yeah well i you know i just have a very good barber apparently he uses no product that's what he says he says a very good barber grows like that naturally now lots of things he's just like really open about anything yeah. and it was like he was like receiving these stupid questions that usually make anyone kind of go oh, why am i why am i here mm-hmm. and just responding to them in the most kind of open Friendly and usually always saying yeah, like to whatever they said, whatever dumb question they had, and it was such an entertaining kind of hour or so in his company.
1: That's probably in itself a good advert for transcendental meditation. Yeah, yeah. If
0: if you can do that, I mean, I guess it's good. Go for it. If it works for works for Dave, works for old Dave Lynch.
1: My number two, Dave, is David. Jolica. Now, I had to, I don't actually, I've never said that name out loud because he's much better known as Dave or True Goy the Dove uh, from De La Soul. Um, you know, everybody knows De La Soul. I think I don't have to make, I don't have to kind of uh, explain it like with Mr. DJ, but De La Soul, three fantastic albums and another bunch of albums after that. Um, you know, when they come out, 1989 plug tuning and then uh three feet high and rising and D- dave's just like he's just um and an oblique rapper you know a lot of rapping is very and i think this is one of the problems that a lot of people who come from a kind of rock music sensibility have with with a lot of hip-hop with a lot of rap music is that it. a lot of the lyrics are very face value because you have lots of words and they you know they only have to rhyme a little bit or they, only have to, they don't have to fit a melody you can say exactly what you mean in full right you don't have to sort of uh go well i've only got eight lines and then i've got a chorus and you know it needs to be sort of uh fitting a melody and stuff you can you can you can say everything um so you often get people who do just very much say exactly what they mean in plain speaking So from the same era you have someone like kos one who's just incredibly plain speaking guy right whereas De La Soul but particularly true Goy, particularly they would be like saying things in these kind of oblique ways where you'd have to be really paying attention it's like he had his own language his own everything was an illusion to something else and as a kid listening to those records you'd just be like okay what is he what is he getting out here? You know, what's this? What is this song about? That's what we used to talk about. You know, it would be like, what is this song even about? I don't know. And 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 it, you know, with music, people love that, right? We know little boy, and you love like, what's this song about? I found out the real meaning. Well, that had that kind of thing to it, you know. And it, it's it's a creativity. This is I'm not just happy to say this stuff and have this message or have this this idea. I'm gonna wrap it all up in bows and you know, kind of obscure it and then tease you with bits and then we're all in on the same joke and stuff. Just beautiful stuff. So such a such a laid-back presence on the microphone. Uh, you know, such a creative creative guy. So, you know, the ideas for all these songs are phenomenal. Um, I give him more credit than, than his partner, Poster News, uh, who is much more plain speaking and uh, clear, you know? But I think the, the real, with Prince Paul, who produced their records back then, and Dave is that you get the the kind of the mad De La Soul energy uh, that, that just really brought something different to hip hop that people hadn't heard before and stuff. So massive fan of him. And he is known as Dave, which is a proper Dave on the top five Dave list. You know, and probably my favorite moment uh, with him in my life is in 1996 or 7 they had the essential festival which I don't know if you remember that it was like a summer music festival but not a residential one it was in london either in like hackney marshes or they had the one in Finsbury park and they had it in Finsbury park and it was a crazy lineup of uh, hip-hop and funk and dance and dub and reggae guys and it was you know it was crazy and it was in Finsbury park in my park at that point i lived like 150 meters from the park you know in fact 150 meters from the bit of the park where it was happening like right there right. and i it was a day long thing was it two days no it was a day long thing and i went up there and i saw all these acts. These, you know loads of acts that i love incredible stuff it was there cool keith jungle brothers um yeah, was, was school ed it was, it was like real amazing lineup and and de la soul headline or i think they headlined and you had them standing up on stage being like finsbury park make some noise and i remember just being like i'm, f- I'm from finsbury park that's where i'm from <laughs> you know these guys are from long <laughs> island and i've been listening to their records since i was like 10 you know and I love them. And here they are on stage shouting out, my park. You know, I, I, that, that just kind of magic. And very rarely do you get to have that, you know, like a proper heroes in your, in your park. In your backyard. In, in my backyard. So yeah, true Goy the dove. That's my number two, Dave. Why?
0: My number one is... David Bowie what <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah it's probably gonna be that way um, and uh, you know I I really love David Bowie and I think I like him in a way I like him for various reasons and I think I often like him in a way that a lot of fans of David Bowie don't like him was my favorite kind of bowie stuff is bowie as a man i really i think it's fun to see the characters and the way he's kind of been uh the icon level of him but i always find him so kind of especially in later years where he's kind of done it and he's clean and sober i find that david bowie definitely the most interesting and fascinating than a guy who's on coke and sniffing on a on a 70s interview and looks like they're about to drop dead I find that kind of I like all the character stuff I like all that kind of thin white duke and, and almost contrary to what I just said I think my favorite Bowie album is Station to Station which he has no memory of making it's that kind of uh to, you me, know, to be I,
1: fair he's got no memory of making any of his records now
0: no not true or or had no memory of making i should say and i i i, I find all that stuff like I, I i think it's much more interesting that he's a guy who's who's creating it all is much more interesting than this idea of these sort of the idea he becomes an icon and when he disappears how everything's orchestrated and he's he's this sort of behind the scenes puppeteer and i always find that certainly if you were like a fan of him in the 90s you know the thing i always bring up to to essentially now i think it's it's not just younger people it's that people like this idea of bowie like almost from the point of uh black star his last album like oh yeah it's really great that that's that was his last album and he he put all this thing about his own mortality I find that stuff depressing I find it like it's no it's a sad album about someone who's dying and is probably hopeful for a lot of the production album that he might come through but his brain is automatically on his own mortality Mm. so he makes an album that's got lots of allusions to dying and and but it's such a kind of it's more that that isn't a great scenario. The great scenario is he comes through at the other end, and makes more music, you know, I find that kind of the way a lot of people talk about it now, it always bothers me, I find it really like, well, that's not a great, it's a great, it's great to sort of put elements of your life into your work. But I find a lot of that, the way it's sort of, I think it's all post where they did the VNA exhibition, and it's a terrific exhibition, but it really and it also seemed to create lots of fans because it played into the idea of someone who is this recluse and reclusive person who's not really recording music and then puts music out, whereas actually, I think it's at that point, someone who's decided they want a more private life rather than someone who's this reclusive artist, mm. whereas for all intents and purposes, when you hear about it, he's got like a young daughter, he's, he's on his own uh, internet chat rooms, occasionally popping in and chatting with people he's not super reclusive in a lot of ways he's just having a more private life Mm. and at that time he had a young daughter he had a son that he you know he probably didn't really see a lot of him growing up um he's married he's got a very nice living and i think just wanted to live a bit more of a normal life and i think he's probably his last sort of um decade of his life i imagine was probably a lot happier than a lot of other ones and i think it's quite a nice idea that you kind of um he's kind of settled and at the end of it the last kind of three or four years of his life he goes back and goes oh do you know what i do like making music i don't need to tour it i don't need to show off yeah. but i'll i'll make this i'll still do it i'll do it for me and i'll hire all my favourite musicians and musicians i like and we'll go to a little recording studio and we'll just make it because I can still make the music and put it out and and like i always say before he had his kind of reclusive element he was on um was that about 2003 2004 actually i think it's later than that maybe 2006 when he sort of disappeared from public life for uh like nine years he um he was on things like the priory with zoe ball and jamie thigston there was this sort of period of him in the 90s just promoting his new album where he'd show up on Just about anything, you know, Mm. and I I always found him on those where he's kind of talking about himself and his characters. And there's an element of it where it's like, oh yeah, I used to do that, yeah, yeah. And it's I always found that guy who is just very funny and charming a much more interesting person than someone who's saying, "I am uh, a Piero," (laughs) I am, you know. I find that much more like relatable as a person and someone like but I like this stuff and again I think one of the great things he has is he's someone who likes things and he's not a great musician in terms of there are there isn't really an instrument you can point to and say oh he's a great player of x he just isn't he's he's fine uh, a few things Mm. but a lot of his stuff is sort of putting stuff together yeah and he's got and he likes so he finds musicians he likes and he works with them and or he might just want a tiny thing so he'll hire someone to do one line or a guitar line on something or a piano line on something it's that sort of picking and choosing it's sort of using tools to create things and all through this sort of filter of it's more what he's creating is is what they do to his taste yeah rather than like this is what I'd like it to sound like, something like this. And if they do something better, he goes, "Well, that's better than what I was going to do anyway, so we'll do that." I, I, yeah. I think. Um, but like, sort of as a person, I, I, yeah, I think he's he's great. I think he's my number one Dave. And I heard a great thing about him recently that uh, that I think says a lot about who he actually is. Uh, was that apparently when they were filming the ashes to ashes video, you know, the one with all the Blitz kids and yeah. they're using all these video box effects at the time. And they've got the bit where he's walking along a beach and there's a, an old woman in the video who's meant to represent his mum and he sort of dressed. There's always people who are dressed as like almost like popes and like uh, new romantic popes and things and he's in his Piero gear walking along a beach and holding things and gifting in this sort of quite arty. Uh, which again, like he's talking about David Lynch, it isn't something to be ashamed of, it's something to celebrate. But it's also good to to have a sort of sense of humor about what you're doing. And I think they're filming it, I think it's somewhere in Kent, in maybe it's Dungeness or something like that somewhere <laughs> around there. So it's probably like freezing cold. And the directors, David Mallet is making the video and putting it all together. And it's, it, you know, and it looks very much like an 80s music video now. And um and there's a guy fishing there who's just fishing and he's like, Oh, we can't really have this guy here. I think he's picking up driftwood, in fact. I think he's just collecting driftwood even. And he says, so he's like, Oh, sorry, can you move? And he's like, "No, nah, Come here every day. It's like, oh, but we're filming like this video, which about get just for a bit so we can film a scene. He was like, No. Nah. And then the director apparently pointed David Bowie and said, Do you know who this is? and the guy went yeah it's a cunt in a clown suit he said <laughs> and he said and it was one of those things that afterwards David Bowie would always think like when he was doing something he's going if you're saying something like is this good or am I being a cunt in a clown suit <laughs> and it's that it's that way of thinking about what you're doing is a really good indicator of who like it's that there's a thing you've always got to remember: like, yeah. is that good or am I this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, and and I think it's it's that kind of thing where, and him sort of you know tells that story, and it's a funny, it's a funny thing that says a lot about who he is mm. and his own sense of humor about what he does, and I think now the world, what the world wants, is an icon. And they're much more interested in an icon than they are of the person who made this stuff, yeah, which I think's like I think it's silly. I think if you like it, you want to know who who is he, yeah. and that's closer to who he is than often the thing he'll put out, and now the idea of him becomes this kind of iconography, mm. and I always think that's a shame, I think that's a real shame about
1: it, yeah, I think you're one of the few people who thinks that's a shame. I definitely see your thing of like the reaction to the last his last record. I think I was still working the record shop then. When did it when did it come out? 2016,
0: right at the beginning. Oh
1: no, I wasn't working the record shop then. Anyway, um, th- th- it was like the people were like, "Oh, thank God he's made a good, like, credible album at before he's died or when he's died, because now I can forget about everything he's done since like 1986 or something, and I can erase that all and I can go back to just sort of." yeah, like having this icon kind of enigmatic character and ignore the fact that he was a much more down to earth man making questionable records for like 20 something years. I mean, do you love all those nineties records?
0: I like a lot of the nineties records. And I think, I think also like it's one of those things, I think when he was making records that weren't terribly good, I think he was probably making records that were good quite soon afterwards, but it's that sort of, I think people always there was a thing where people used to always say like when a new record come out go well this is the first good record he's done since scary monsters but you'd go back and go but you said that about his last record and his last so this idea was that he was and i think he was aware that he was seen almost like a, a legacy act
1: yeah
0: like post from the kind of 90s onwards yeah and yet the reviews you'd get would people go oh no it's like one of his old albums but they were like that pretty much i think and i think there was only really probably i guess mid to late 80s to yeah, but There was probably a 10-year period where what he was doing wasn't great but even within that the stuff i think is really good oh, and i mean- think he was aware of it as well he became like you know it was that thing of him saying oh i don't really want to be like some of these other artists i want to just do what i want to do
1: and also i think like you're a massive fan you should like the stuff that some people don't like you know what i mean i think you should be able to find Mm. good stuff in that i think that's cool i definitely have that with my favorite there's a lot of bad stuff as
0: well uh, Yeah. yeah there is still a lot of bad stuff but i think there's probably more good stuff than than i think he gets credit for
1: in some of that period yeah and i he produced walk on the wild side didn't he yeah. With Mick Ronson. Like that, you know, the the stuff he's done along the way that didn't get brought up that much when he died, you know? Was like mm. you know, he and his what he's contributed to other people's music in kind of supporting. I think in and, a
0: lot of ways he is a producer. Yeah. As well. That's sort of what he does with himself as well and with yeah. his own thing. And that thing where, you know, he's in bands in the sixties and um and then when he becomes like a solo artist, almost by default, it's like, all right, well, then it just means I get to choose my bands all the time. And that's so this this tour, I'll work with these guys. And on this record, I'll work with these guys. But if I'm doing a record, I don't even have to work with these guys on every track. I can work with this guy and I can bring these people in. Yeah. And it's that sort of so I think in a way he is like a producer. And he even said, I know he said about himself, like he he was always like, when he'd hear it back, he goes, oh, you know, the thing with his own music is he goes, I hate my own voice, but I'm David Bowie. <laughs> like, I don't, I he doesn't like he his He can't own. replace
1: himself on them. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's a bit that he would be like the most, oh, if I get another singer, this would be really good. So he's he's always trying to be like, a, well, try and sing in a way that I can kind of think that's all right. But um in his first single as well, his first single, I think it's from 66. Um, I can't help thinking about me. He always said he had his worst lyric, which is uh, my girl calls my name. Hi, Dave. <laughs> and so he's definitely a Dave. Definitely To Dave. his pals, Dave Bowen and girlfriends. He's definitely a Dave.
1: Dave Jones, isn't he?
0: Dave Jones. Yeah, he'd be Dave Jones. Oh, you don't get
1: many of them. Dave Jones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's no other Dave Jones on the planet, right?
1: No, be the only one. It's a
0: Very unusual name. Iconic
1: iconic name. Um <laughs> one off. When we said we were doing Dave's, I was like, cool, great, I'll have a think about that. And as soon as I thought, I was like, Oh, I know who Nat's number one is gonna be. But I didn't think of my number one until I'd had the rest of my five. And then I got my number one. My number one, I think you'll guess who it is. Can you guess who it is?
0: I think I can guess who it is. Um, Should I guess? You guess. Is it old Dave Attenborough? It's
1: Dave Attenborough. It's Sir Dave Attenborough. I don't think he's a Lord. Sir Dave Attenborough, 95 years old, a couple of weeks younger than the queen. Uh, definitely more universally loved in this country. If, if if we had to elect a person to be elevated to godhood or sort of preserved with ever life or something I think this country would elect Dave Attenborough to that position I think it's incredibly Mm -hmm. well-loved presenter figure naturalist not naturist and um you know just it's that kind of thing where there's a there's sort of a backlash against kind of posh people nowadays or or, oftentimes throughout time and stuff and he always comes through unscathed you know what i mean like no one goes i never hear anyone going i don't like david attenborough he's too posh you know everybody loves david attenborough i've never heard anyone having a moan about him his his you know just grown up with all his wildlife programs all the kind of wildlife on one stuff and then when they started doing the life of plants you know that stuff life of mammals the every way through his career in my lifetime they've stepped up the quality and they remain the greatest makers of mm. of these wildlife shows in the world and the the scripts which he'd often be writing were like moving and spare and vital and important there's one, and I couldn't find which one it was, there's one where he, in the last episode, he kind of goes from these, these apes, these uh, baboons or something, living in larger and larger groups and coming out of the trees and living on the plains in larger and larger groups, socializing and saying that's how they kind of evolved by being social animals and having all this dexterity and opposable thumbs and stuff. That's how they evolved into us. And he just kind of cuts to like a scene in a city and the camera just keeps going out and out and stuff. And it's just the, I, I couldn't find the clip, but the, 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 spiel that goes along with it is just amazing. And you think of him, you think of that take a famous take of him on the boat. doing this thing about the largest animal that has ever lived on earth, a blue whale, and then the blue whale breaches behind him. And it's like, how many takes of that would you have had <laughs> to have done? He must've done it a thousand times to get it to just breach at that moment. Mm. astonishing but that's all you know that all that wildlife stuff is amazing and then he was controller of bbc2 in the 60s
0: when it started i think controller
1: of yeah a controller of all programming for both channels for a while you know shows which he commissioned right man alive call my bluff chronicle match of the day old gray whistle test monty python's flying circus and the money program like there's one guy commissioned those shows you know so yeah and you think
0: that's probably a percentage of uh a high percentage of those shows are the only shows from that era that are still on TV.
1: yeah <laughs> unbelievable stuff like unbelievable stuff and and just you know as a, as a person to to, to of championing the, the the preciousness of the earth and how we need to look after it and that kind of thing. He's been banging that drum as long as I can remember, you know, do you remember when Mm. it was only acid rain? And that's the only thing we had to worry about acid (laughs) rain, acid rain in 1988, (laughs) whatever it was acid rain. And um, that kind of, from that's my first kind of awareness of these kind of eco issues and stuff. And he's always just been on that and, and kind of unrepentantly sneaking that into all his programs and being like, but of course, if we don't look after this land, these animals and life will desert us. Hmm.
0: I mean, I think it's uh, I think those nature shows are really like one of the things that the BBC can point at and go, oh, yeah, we're world beaters. Yeah, world beaters at this stuff. And even things like when they do those quite like fairly big budget movies now they did that. The um, in the States, they did that March, uh, the they March of the Penguins. Yeah. And it's like, uh, the footage is like, it looks daft, you know, compared with what the BBC do. Yeah. And it's like a thing where these, it's almost like it, it's not money that does it. It's like um, it's like hiring these people and working with these teams whose job it is, like these hundreds of people whose job it all is, for years, they've been going, they've been doing all the same shows, have all been working with him, yeah. that he's this sort of figurehead for these shows. But essentially, it's like, He obviously creates these team that go and do all this stuff that have done it forever, and that's how you get this stuff. And they are often like, like almost like virtually every shot. If you're looking for it from a filmmaking point of view, every shot is like, well, how have you done that? How is that possible? And it's not CGI or some other. It's like it's proper kind of filmmaking where you're seeing things on film that you've never never seen before
1: yeah and they're personally. telling you <laughs> yeah they're like yeah. this has never been captured in a wild.
0: <laughs> there's a there's a great thing i think it's probably still on iplayer i don't know if it was just on there for like one of his birthdays or an anniversary or something but i think it's still on iplayer which is like they used to have some quite old episodes of zoo quest which i always enjoyed mm. that he presented i think of 50s i think they're late 50s rather than don't even think they're quite 60s era and there's one of those where he goes looking for a lemur but they're talking about a lemur as if these things might be fictional animals it's like talking about looking for bigfoot yeah and uh, they've got these like here yeah, we've got an artist uh representation of what he thinks a lemur looks like and the guy draws this like dog man <laughs> that looks like uh looks like the guy from thundercats <laughs> jackal man and it's like, yeah, we think they look like this. And it's like, so it's basically a man with a dog's head, like a sort of thing from like an Egyptian hieroglyphic or something. And you go, this is crazy yeah. that you think in this, like in his lifetime. that he's done. And actually within the film, they go, oh, yeah, that's it. And they have footage of a Lima. So mm. it's almost like within this half an hour show, they go from this drawing of a thing mm. that to us looks nuts and like, well, it's insane that anyone thought that's what a lemur looked like mm. to filming a lemur. And you go, wow, this must be the first time anyone's filmed a lemur.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's just that sort of way where the natural world is actually, especially then was much smaller. And even these things like, you know, they're almost like mythological, mm. then they weren't really real things that you could kind of conceive of. Whereas like, you know i'm sure i grew up seeing him in zoos and if someone said what's a lima i can bring an image up yeah. immediately and go well that's a lima that's what lima looks like
1: nice uh, yeah they yeah. did in the 50s he was doing zoo quests and then he went to doing the commissioning stuff and wasn't doing as much presenting at all and then when they they offered him the they they suggested him for the uh overall you know the the kind of head of the bbc the kind of uh
0: Director General, is it?
1: Yeah, Director General, I think. And, and he was like, I think it's a story of his brother, his brother Dick. Uh, if we're doing Dave's, then, uh, you know, Richard was like, his, he called him, was like, I don't want the job. What should I do? And he was like, you know, dear boy, don't, don't take it, you know, do what you love. And then he was like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to carry on, but I'm going to do mostly presenting and writing and producing and. Yeah, that's, that's what he then did, and that's when he did all his best work, really, like incredible stuff. So, absolute love for him. He must surely die soon, much like the Queen. And mm-hmm. um, I think the kind, I don't think the country's ready for it in either case, but I, with him, I just don't think, because anybody else, like, you know, you have something when Bowie dies or something, but there's millions of people that aren't Bowie fans, you know? Mm. There's There's millions of people that aren't, you know, affected by all these celebrity deaths and things, you know, when he dies, it will just be, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, we just had Prince Philip dying and, you know, they did all the hoopla, even though it was COVID, they still did a lot of ceremony and stuff. I'm like, I don't know what ceremony you can do for him that that, that will, people will feel like, yeah, that's right. I don't even know. Crazy.
0: You'd be good. Uh, you'd kind of hope for some sort of, Certainly national campaign for something. Yeah. Would probably be a good. uh... Ban cars. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do. We'll get rid of cars.
1: He truly lives up to the original meaning of David. Beloved. He is. I just think he is a totally beloved man. And very much from, from me. Got a big list of honorable mentions to run through.
0: Oh, I've got a crazy list of mentions.
1: Before we get to that. I did Mm -hmm. prepare a top five worst Dave's.
0: Oh, I nearly did that and then decided against it. I'd be interested to hear.
1: I got my top five.
0: I can't even remember who were on mine.
1: I got my top five worst Dave's. All right. I'm going to run them down from five to one.
0: Okay. (laughs) You will be running them down.
1: I'll be running them down. These are are bad Dave's, (laughs) right? They start rubbish and they end up the worst. Okay. So number five, David Copperfield, the magician. Not the Dickens character,
0: no, or the uh, guy who was in the uh, the comedy trio with Tracy Ullman and Lenny Henry. I'm out on
1: that different one. Different guy, different guy. Number four, David Koresh. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, but yeah, It's
1: bad. It's a bad, bad day, guy. Right?
0: He's a bad. I, I don't like him.
1: Number three, not for me. David Cameron probably go down as the most <laughs> irresponsible and stupid, venal <laughs> politician to ever lead this once proud country. Um, Number two, serial killer, David Berkowitz. Yeah, <laughs> the son of Sam. Yeah, yeah. bad Dave. Number yeah. one, worst Dave, David Williams. <laughs> All right, let's get on to it. honorable mention.
0: <laughs> well, I say a good honorable mention in this show mm-hmm. uh, should be one of our regular correspondents, Dave Russell. Who often yeah. comes in and gives us some good lists. Honourable mention. Uh it'd be wrong to have you in the main list, Dave, for obvious reasons. And we've also not been in- able to include friends or people we know we decided no, would be a good.
1: Uncle Dave would get a shout from my family.
0: Sure, of course. Yeah. That's uh um that's a given. But we couldn't, we thought we've got to draw the line. Yeah. Um David Byrne, I think I like and 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 partly one of the things that really impressed me is that living in London, central London, walking about, you quite regularly see famous people. I have never been more starstruck or blown away when I saw David Byrne walking through Soho. I, it was he was he felt slightly mythological to me. I sort of just couldn't believe it. Did he have the couldn't believe the, I was seeing big him? Big shoulder pads. Didn't have the big suit on, disappointingly, but I still recognised him.
1: I'm a fan of his work, but I think he's an asshole. But you know, that's. That's could fine. be yeah could be i got i'll do you one we'll go back and forwards i've got michelangelo's david which i oh good I'd one never seen in person i've seen the the the, the remake the, the 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 knockoff in the it's in the vna or the british museum one of them um mm-hmm. i would like to get to um florence and see it because i think it's astonishing and just a absolutely amazing when you think about the time it was done it just blows your mind but you have to be fair he can't be a top five dave he doesn't do anything does he
0: no just stands there But great great i don't know that's i would say that's a great honorable mention though Um, i think i should run down some uh some quickly because i think i don't have a lot a lot to say about them which is probably why they wouldn't be uh david cronenberg uh david hemmings uh, David Lapham, another comics one, Stray Bullets. David Lean, David Letterman, David Mamet. David McCallum, David Niven, Dave Prowse. Dave Prowse, um, yeah. David Sedaris, Dave Chappelle, David Thewlis.
1: Yeah, I had David uh, Thewlis. You think of David's and you think of his amazing face.
0: Yeah, and also, I really do like David Thewlis as he's probably of my acting David's, I would have put him top of my acting David's, I think. Be yeah, cool. Um, and uh, great. I really like him. Um, and it was one of those, when I saw it, it was it was close to being in the list. Cause I went, oh, he's a great David. Um, I was thinking of uh, Keir Delay in 2001, who is, of course, the Dave of which is Hal says, I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. Yeah, good Dave. Uh David Copperfield the book. Uh a Dave a bad day by Dave I had was um Dave Perry, that guy with the bandana who used to be on Games Master. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't like that guy. He's a bad Dave. Um oh,
1: I love that. Dave Perry. Uh,
0: uh interesting Dave. Uh a guy that I will see on uh uh David Rodigan the dance hall and reggae DJ, yeah. but who also in the 70s and 80s had like a, a sort of acting career, so often pops up on like BBC dramas. Always weird to see him I pop up on that. things. I didn't know him. Did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in lots of like uh, 80s BBC things. He's in like uh, Juliet Bravo's and the Bill's things. I did not
1: know things. that. Ram Jam Redigan.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Uh, but sort of a funny person to see pop up in these, yeah. these things. And also like, I think he's uh beloved in Jamaica for, from what I believe he's like the most famous English person in Jamaica.
1: Well, he's certainly a massive character in that world. My other ones I've got on my list is, um, got a couple more rap related ones. I've got Santan Dave, um, from Streatham. <laughs> he's great. I've got, um, David Willis, who is the hip hop producer ski is most famous for producing much of the first Jay Z album he's great slightly under the radar hip hop producer another producer david axelrod massive fan of david axelrod work and he worked with david mccallum uh on his records so there, you go. there he goes like, uh, david
0: hemmings has got some he's got well he's got one good record i
1: do not know. Recommended. It. happens david ruffin of the temptations avant-garde body popper david elsewhere who you might remember from the uh scene in the rain car advert or whatever it was oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He Does the body work in and that and stuff he's not body is in the car but the, the body popping and stuff he's just a phenomenal dancer um david porter isaac hayes's writing partner on all the classic stacks yeah, records. yeah of course dave Sitek from uh, tv on the radio and producer of the Yeah years and everything yes i like a bit of david hockney even when he's hacking it out on an ipad uh gotta give respect to dave seville of chipmunks fame and he's a date yes. as well. Yes, uh, Dave Seville. David Toop, British music journalist and member of Flying Lizards. Big fan of his because he sold his records into the record shop where I worked. He, um, I even have a signed press photo of LL Cool which says "To Dave, thanks, LL Cool Which I've con- I've contemplated changing my name to Dave. So I, can frame <laughs> it. I contemplate saying my name to Dave quite a lot. And my favorite drummer in the world currently drumming chris dave or chris daddy dave who's a phenomenal drummer and his surname is dave which i think qualifies him for the list but is unusual
0: and there's a guy who's just called dave right that's, that's uh,
1: santan dave that's santan, uh, dave. santan yeah, dave. yeah that's dave but he's not even the best rapper called dave unfortunately because mm. of true Goy from de la soul but yeah dave, dave, it's dave, a yeah. shame
0: i don't really like the film dave with kevin klein that would have been non- i've
1: never thing. even heard of that
0: Oh, yeah, it's like it's where like um, he's a guy called Dave, but he's the double for the president, and you know it's it's like uh, they bring him in to replace the president, and he's just a guy called Dave. He's just a regular guy. Is the thing of it. He's not. What people will not be able to. It'll blow their minds when a regular guy has to meet like um, a foreign leader or something. Yeah, and it'll, it'll just be like a normal guy and not. Not dave. like the president dave. of the united states
1: it's a good name for. i film. think
0: that was that was a film made before the idea of the president of the united states has been so devalued yeah. the idea of some bloke doing it was, was seen as like a kind of crazy idea for a film
1: yeah um i've also got i also really like dave pierce the uh radio dj radio dj right when i was a kid and then up to the early 90s and then he, then he got famous for doing all this dance music that I wasn't that into. But before that, it was kind of like, I think he was like a soul boy, and then he had a hip-hop show. I think he had her first hip-hop show on British radio. And yeah, I liked Dave Pierce back then. And uh, and uh, I, it just reminded me that uh, I've got a bunch of records in my record collection that uh, all came from one shop, like a charity shop, and they all have written on them in, in a sort of felt tip, Disco Dave. On them. And I've always really liked that. <laughs> Disco Dave. So I don't think they're even the best records, but I'm not getting rid of them because I've got Disco Dave written on them. Yeah. Love it.
0: If I'm in Brighton, I pop into Dave's Comics. Quite a good comic shop in Brighton.
1: Definitely. Definitely. No, I'm a big fan of the Dave's. Big fan Some of Some good Dave's. Dave's. Top we've Dave's. done a
0: a celebration. Yeah. A celebration of Dave's.
1: To summarize, we've done the best of Dave's and the worst of Dave's. <laughs>
0: The worst Daves of our lives and the best Daves of our lives.
1: Yeah. No, I think this has been a, a Dave to remember. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna stop now, stop now, stop now, stop now. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not I'm not coming back.
1: Let us know your favourite Daves. So it's hard to be comprehensive about this because the the page of David's on Wikipedia is is like a couple of days worth of reading. It's very, very long. A um, couple of Dave's worth of reading. Dave's of reading. Yeah, right. That's
0: right, <laughs> but more than a couple, way more than a couple. Yeah,
1: and um, there's really a lot of Dave's out there. We didn't have any Daffids.
0: No, that might be that might have been uh like maybe we need to go back at some point and do a um, a Daffid uh, update. Davey, if we find any good ones. Die,
1: die is the same, isn't it? Taff. Mm. Any of them, let us know also this means you can let us know any other names you would like us to do yeah
0: i'd be up for doing some more dave's not dave's names we can't
1: <laughs> do more dave's dave's part two <laughs>
0: <laughs> other names yeah if you've got any you got any names you'd like us to do we we'll do the best and sometimes we might even do the worst ones as a treat. but i think a very good list of daves we've done i think we've covered a lot of the the good Dave's some interesting Dave's, if you like the show, like it, recommend it, review it, All them things. give it five stars on whatever platform you listen to it on.
1: Yeah. I don't think we've had a review yet on Google podcasts. I don't think anyone uses Google podcasts. Prove me wrong. Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. And let us know your favorite Dave's cause I really do think it's an incredibly deep pool and let me because we were saying before we 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 started recording that we think there's there probably isn't another name that can compare with dave when it comes to to greatness and equally with badness i mean that worst dave's is packs quite a punch bad some bad daves Mm. um so yeah like let us know if there's another name that you think could go toe to toe with dave yeah
0: and uh Shout out to all the Daves listening. Yeah. And everyone who's not a Dave.
1: Yeah. And uh, we'll say to you, good Dave.
0: Good Dave.